Hey everyone, I'm Jeff Zeleny, CNN Chief National Affairs Correspondent, in for David Chalian. And this is the CNN Political Briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Friday, June 16th. How far will the Supreme Court go on affirmative action, election law, student loan forgiveness, and religious freedom versus gay rights? We're about to find out. So all eyes will be on the Supreme Court for the final two weeks in June. The court has a handful of major cases yet to decide, several of which will have far-reaching implications for American life. With me now to walk us through some of these consequential cases before the court is my colleague and friend, CNN senior Supreme Court analyst, Joan Biskupic. She's written many books on the court, the latest, Nine Black Robes, Inside the Supreme Court's Drive to the Right and Its Historic Consequences. Joan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be with you. And you know I love June. June is the best month for the court, and we're about to find out why. But for some key decisions that have come down really have been something of a surprise. The court, in a 5-4 decision, ordered Alabama to redraw its congressional map to accommodate black voters, given that they make up 27 percent of the state's population but only have one member of Congress. And just yesterday, A 7-2 court surprisingly rejected a challenge to a federal law that prioritizes custody of Native American children to Native American families. What did those two decisions tell us about the conservative majority court? Jeff, those decisions tell us something about the court at this moment, perhaps some caution that it's exercising, but more it tells us about some of the extreme challenges being brought to the justices who certainly signaled last session that they were open for business. The case involving the Indian Child Welfare Act is not as surprising because during oral arguments, it didn't appear that there would be a majority to strike down this law. But the voting rights case, you're you're certainly correct to single out because that was more of a surprise. Chief Justice John Roberts has been trying to narrow the scope of that law for decades, and he was the one who wrote the decision that essentially said, Alabama, you have gone too far even for us. There are seven congressional districts, and only one is a black majority district, even though the state has a 27 uh, percent black population. The other point that's important for our listeners to know is that state officials were saying that judges could find that the Voting Rights Act, this landmark law passed in 1965 after Bloody Sunday, forbids the consideration of race and redistricting to ensure equal access to the polls and democracy. Even John Roberts was not going to go that far, Jeff. Such an interesting bookend to the decision from 10 years ago this month as well on the Voting Rights Act. There's no doubt that that is going to have far-reaching impacts on the makeup of Congress. So that's something we'll be keeping our eye on. So going forward, let's break down some of the highly anticipated cases coming up. Let's start with affirmative action. The court is considering whether colleges can continue to consider race and ethnicity as a factor in college admissions. Do we have a sense of where the court appears to stand on this? With the caveat that there was some surprise with the Voting Rights Act, the sentiment at oral arguments and everything I know about where the majority of these justices have been is that these practices are nearing an end. Here, Roberts and his fellow conservatives have long been trying to reverse the 1978 Bakke case and the 2003 case that reaffirmed it and said that admissions officials can look at applicants' race as one factor of many to ensure campus diversity. 
But here's a situation where Chief Justice John Roberts has said, in the context of education and education integration plans, the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. And during oral arguments on October 31st in the paired Harvard and University of North Carolina cases, he certainly sounded that kind of sentiment over and over. I think it's important for you to establish whether or not granting a credit based solely on skin color is based on a stereotype when you say this brings diversity of viewpoint. So here I feel more confident in predicting that this court is going to do something serious on racial affirmative action in higher education, Jeff. And that certainly will open up uh, an entire uh, chapter with so much fallout for uh colleges across the country. Something in this a similar vein is student loan forgiveness. President Biden, of course, unable to get a law through Congress, essentially went his own way. Using the authority Congress granted the Department of Education, we will forgive $10,000 in outstanding federal student loans. In addition, students who come from low-income families, which allowed them to qualify to receive a Pell Grant, will have their debt reduced $20,000. Who brought that case, and what's their argument against this plan? Okay, the lawsuits were brought by, and we have a pair of them, brought by six Republican-led states and two borrowers who were ineligible. Now, a 2003 statute permits the Secretary of Education to waive or modify federal student loans in national emergencies. It was passed in the wake of 9-11. And the question is whether that law can be invoked during and in the wake of COVID. These challengers say that the law forbids any kind of agency actions here by the Secretary of Education on matters of vast economic and political significance without clear authority from Congress. And I think that plays right into where these justices have been in terms of trying to limit the reach of federal agencies. But there is one way that I think the Biden administration could prevail here if the justices were to find, and it's a long shot even on this, that these Republican-led states and the two borrowers actually do not have legal standing to challenge the loan forgiveness program. So watch for perhaps some sort of procedural ruling or watch for something that goes all the way and really narrows the authority of federal agencies. And that certainly would also have uh, far-reaching implications for uh, young voters and others who have really been uh, hoping for some type of uh, relief here. And one other case that has major implications potentially for elections as well is brought by North Carolina Republicans. Now, the court in this case will decide if state legislatures have the power to set the rules for federal elections, effectively giving states unchecked power. What is the legal theory at the center of this case? You know, Jeff, you're right to hit the unchecked power because this case involves the Constitution's elections clause and could ultimately cover the electors clause, which gets to the appointment of presidential electors every four years. And North Carolina Republicans are saying that state legislatures should have the final word. They, the theory is called the independent state legislature theory. And what it holds is that state judges looking at state constitutions cannot check, cannot put a check on their state legislatures. And it w- if this theory were adopted, it would prevent judges from throwing out unfair redistricting maps. 
or invalidating measures that restrict access to the polls. And that's what's at issue in this specific case involving the elections clause. But if the terms are extended then to the electors clause of the Constitution, state legislators, again, speaking at the extreme, could completely shape the appointment of a state's presidential elections, even if contrary to the popular vote. At the extreme. That's why this case is being watched by election law experts and officials at the state level nationwide. Now, once upon a time, this might have been a theoretical, but certainly uh, given the fallout from the 2020 election, what we saw across the country, uh, this is even uh, more pressing and urgent than ever before. That's right, because it was the theory was raised by the late Chief Justice William Rehnquist in the infamous Bush v. Gore case, but then it it was revived in 2020 by Donald Trump's allies. So it, it's got much more salience today. Without question, we are definitely watching that. And another involves businesses. We'll hear argument first this morning in case 21-476-303 Creative LLC versus Elenus. Can businesses deny some services to LGBTQ customers on religious grounds? Tell us about that case. This is a really important case from Colorado, and it involves a woman who's a website designer who wants to start doing wedding websites. But she says because of her Christian beliefs, she does not want to create sites for same-sex couples. It's a free speech test, but it's based on her Christian beliefs. And the question is, can she tell potential customers or tell anyone that she's not going to serve this one? set of clients, even though Colorado has a law that says anybody who's in a commercial business operating what's known as a public accommodation cannot refuse to serve customers based on sexual orientation. The law also says based on race, based on ethnicity, religion, but in this case, it's based on sexual orientation. But it has the potential to sweep pretty broadly and actually affect discrimination, not just based on LGBTQ rights, but also potentially race and other things, just because it's, it involves any kind of exemption from this kind of public accommodations law in Colorado. And I do think, despite what you said at the top of the show about you know them kind of pulling back in some ways on those earlier rulings, when it comes to conservative religious interests, these justices tend to be fairly assertive and moving vigorously in this area. So fascinating. Joan, thanks so much for breaking that down for us. Thanks, Jeff. It's been my pleasure, and I can't wait until next week when I'm back in the courtroom. The political ramifications from the Dobbs decision continue to reverberate. It was one year ago next week when the Supreme Court did issue that historic ruling. Of course, it's unknown if any of these rulings will create a similar bombshell, but it is always wise to keep a close eye on the court, this time every June and beyond. And that's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. CNN Political Briefing is a product of CNN Audio. Steve Lichtai is our executive producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. Fez Jamil is our senior producer. Our episodes are produced by Krista Bowe and Anna Sterla. 